Psalm 78 is what we wrapped up in our Bible reading plan this morning. Most of the psalm is a very sad picture. Started out, we talked yesterday about the privilege that God has given us in passing his word down from one generation to the next and how that word has the ability to draw us into this relationship with God where we know him and we're known by him. And so what the rest of the psalm does, though, is it talks about how God has been present with his people and he's been revealing himself to his people, but his people have not obeyed. The majority of them have not taken this testimony and held it precious in their hearts and passed it down to the next generation. So really, it's a psalm about the disobedience and the rebellion of God's people. But Then you get to the end of the psalm and you see the hope of God's people. And this is the main point. The hope of God's people is not in their ability to remain faithful. It's not in their ability to keep all of God's commandments. The hope of God's people is in the faithfulness of God and in the ability of God to fulfill his promises. Because ultimately, our salvation, God's program through Israel and our salvation in the world doesn't rest on us. It rests on him. And just notice how he says this in verse 67. He says, he rejected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loves. He built his sanctuary like the high heavens, like the earth, which he has founded forever. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. Israel is seeing the northern kingdom taken away into captivity. And there are some of them that are saying, man, that means that the promises of God are being undone. He made promises to these people, and it looks like they're being undone. The purpose of God in the world is not going to stand because his people are being taken away and they're not coming back. But the psalmist here says he did not choose them. He chose them in the sense that they were part of that original people from the uh, sons of Jacob. They're part of that 12. He says, remember that God's plan and God's purpose was ultimately given to Judah. He chose Judah. He chose David and the line of David. That's the ones that received his covenant. And God made covenant promises to them. And those covenant promises are not going to be revoked. They're not going to be thrown away. See, Judah is secure. And David's line is secure here in this story because God chose them. Now, this is not, it's not because of their faithfulness. If you read the story of First and Second Kings or First and Second Chronicles, what you see is that uh, the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, which was David's tribe, is a little bit more faithful than the northern kingdom, but at the same time, over and over again, they are wicked. They, are, they do what is evil in the sight of God. So it's not that Judah has earned God's faithfulness and the northern kingdom didn't. It's that God made promises to the southern kingdom that he didn't make to the northern kingdom. He made promises to David that he didn't make to any king in the northern kingdom. And over and over again in the story, if you read First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, you see that God does not cast them off forever because of the promises that he made to David. 
What does all this mean? Salvation, the work of God in the world to redeem mankind, does not rest on our obedience. It rests on God's promises. It rests on what God has chosen to do. He has chosen the southern kingdom of Judah. He chose David. And, and notice what he says here. Why did he raise up David? He raised up David so that he would be a king over his people. So that, And he ended up shepherding them with an upright heart. And he guided them with a skillful hand. Judah had a good king, not because they deserved one, but because God chose to give them one. Which made them think as they're, as they're looking past the, the exile in Babylon and they come back. Um, they're not looking at each other saying, man, we got we to gotta be as good as David. They're looking at God saying, God, you promised. You promised to give us a king. So God, fulfill your promises. And that's exactly what God does. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of this picture. God chose Jesus. God chose to send Jesus, not, not because he's the, the Messiah that we deserve, but because he's the Messiah that God promised. And all of the goodness of God toward his people and toward the nations doesn't depend on what we deserve. It depends on what God has promised. His word rests, and the, and the fulfillment of his word rests purely on his character and on his faithfulness to provide what he promised. He has chosen to do this. And he is going to do it for the sake of his name. That's incredibly good news. Because when we think about our salvation. If it's based on what we deserve. We're in trouble. You and I are in trouble. Because we don't deserve anything good from God. We deserve to be separated from God. We deserve the wrath of God forever and ever and ever. But God has chosen to provide a king. In Jesus, that when we turn to him and we give our lives to him, he saves us and redeems us, not because of what we deserve, but because of what he's promised to do. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. It's interesting, this language carries over into the New Testament. It says here that God chose Judah. He chose the people. He chose David. Now in the New Testament, we're called God's chosen. We're called God's elect. Not just from Judah, but from all the nations of the world. This relationship based on the promises of God, based on the initiative of God, based on the love of God is not restricted to just Judah. All who are in Christ are now God's chosen. So his, it says in Romans chapter 8 that nothing can separate us from the love of God. It says those he foreknew, which means he loved us before the foundation of the earth. He also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son so that Jesus might be the firstborn over many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he almost also gl glorified. You see this from before the foundations of the earth. Our salvation has rested 100% in God on his knowing us, on him choosing to make us like Christ, on him working in our life to call us to himself. He's the one that justified us and he's going to be the one that glorified us purely because he chose it. So if, if you're sitting here this morning and you're questioning whether or not you've earned God's love, you haven't. But if you're in Christ, he's chosen to give it to you. He's chosen to pursue you every step of the way. 
that's encouraging to us as disciples of Jesus who want to make other disciples of Jesus. Because it means that God's purpose hasn't stopped with us. He wants to choose others. He wants to call others. He wants to bring others into this covenant relationship with him. And he's going to continue to work because it doesn't rest on us and it doesn't rest on them. It rests on him. He's going to continue this work. Like it says in Acts chapter 2, that this promise is for us, uh, well, the Jews. It says this promise is for you, it's for your children, and it's for all that the Lord our God will call to himself. God is still working. This rests on him. So, man, this, this, this work that we get to do is so, uh, it's, it's so, we get to do it from a position of rest because God is the one who's accomplishing this. So let's pray, knowing that security that we have. God, we thank you so much for your initiative in our lives. God, the fact that we are yours because we're chosen before the foundations of the earth. God, you set your love on us for the sake of your glory, and you have moved nations so that your word can move throughout the world, throughout the history of mankind, so that it might come to us. Not because we deserve it, not because we're great, not because we're valuable, but because of your promises. God, I pray that that humbles us, but I pray that it gives us an assurance that nothing can shake. God, I pray that we would look at you and your grace and your love toward us and that that would lead us to be secure. Lord, I pray that that would secure our mission as we think about going out and talking about Jesus with others, that that we would trust that you're moving, you're choosing, you're working, you're calling, you're You are calling people to yourself through our witness. God, we ask that as we do that, that you would call more and more, that more and more people would would feel you working in their lives and that they would respond to that by giving their lives to you. Open up more and more hearts to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for choosing Judah. Thank you for choosing Jacob or David, even though they did not deserve it. God, thank you for preserving your purpose and your plan through them. And thank you for bringing salvation to us. God, we love you. We thank you for Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.